There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Extra Inch. I'm not windy, as some of you may have noticed already, but I am joined by his sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Nathan. How's it going, dude? Yeah, not too bad. Nice to be here, me and you. Normally, good things happen when we're together and Windy's not here. The revolution starts now. I was watching some uh, continental football the other day, mate. I was watching this Portuguese side and they had this really brilliant young winger <laughs> and uh, and he scored early on in the game as well. He scored against an English side. I was really impressed with him. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. It's a Portuguese side, so it must be like um, uh, Marcus uh Edvardes or something like that I don't know um yeah it'd be interesting I wonder if Wendy's got any thoughts on that player yeah and the interesting thing was um for a predominantly left-footed player he cut inside on his right and finished smartly with his right so um he that looks... reminds me of Messi <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah or Ribéry or someone like that yeah mm. Good shout, big, good shout. Big future on him. Could be, could be. Maybe that's a player we should be keeping an eye on. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, we're going to start with a question from Zigzag73. He says, did we play better yesterday or in the Champions League final? What do you reckon, buddy? Uh, I don't know. It's it's a really difficult one because the Champions League final was kind of dead after 21 seconds. Yeah. But then part of me kind of thought we were dead after 50 seconds. The kind of the, the tone of the game had been set. Um, and it's one of those Spurs things that we used to say back in the uh, back in the nineties that we almost scored too early, and it <laughs> I, I, it was almost like we upset them. And it would have been better had we just um, poked the dragon. Yeah, exactly. We 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 should have maybe we should have just pondered through the first twenty minutes and just not done anything spectacular or anything catastrophic. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I do, I do think like it's very hard to compare to the Champions League final because it was such a weird game because there was just no like for two teams that are built in different ways around like extremely high energy it was just this slow motion like pre-season vibe game that was the Champions League final and obviously mm. the penalty was um, an absurd <laughs> element within that so uh, yeah I would be open to the idea that we played better yesterday than we did in the Champions League final 
Yeah, we we yeah we definitely offered a, a counter-attacking threat yesterday, and we had a fully fit Kane, and we had a son who was back on form. So yeah, there was there was definite positives to be taken from the match. I think that's fair. Let's uh, rewind time a little bit though and talk about the mm-hmm. starting eleven. Uh, everyone on Twitter was very upset about the starting eleven. What thoughts did you have pre-match? Yeah, having having been at the um, Champions League game, I I kind of didn't think we would we would stray far from that lineup. But then Pochettino doesn't do um, doesn't do common sense sometimes, and I I was surprised he made so many changes. Uh, perhaps we know he likes to rotate the fullback, so maybe there's understandable reasons for putting Rose in. But I thought the inclusion of Eriksson was um, was very peculiar. Uh, certainly the Ericsson call, uh, it, it doesn't look great to reflect back on. Obviously, uh, Lamella was injured, so there's some excuse there, but there are other players available. Um, yeah, people, like I said, people were very upset about this one, and like, uh, I can understand why, but like, back when, like, Back when we were on form, back when we were in a better place, I I was very happy to sort of criticise, you know, why this player over this player, why not this for this tactical identity, why not this reaction to the opposition, whereas at the moment I'm much more lenient because we're in such a, a situation of chaos, it's like... You, you've just he's got to keep um, experimenting and keep switching things around and um, you know react to what's happening in training because I imagine training is probably pretty volatile and and work things around that way so I, I don't think it's as simple as it normally is to say why aren't you picking this player who performed well in the last match um, specifically uh, people wanted to see more of Ndombele uh, other Anthony asks Tangi's cameo kind of embarrassed Poch didn't it what do you think yeah I think so I was surprised to see him play full the full 90 minutes midweek especially when we've kind of noticed that he had significant mm. drop-offs after like 50 after 50 minutes but then I, I, I also I mean I only see this in hindsight the effect that he had on the pitch when he came in against the tire in Liverpool was it was impressive and um I, I think maybe we could have we could have snatched a winner there. So you can you can look at it that way that he's bringing in his best player when everybody else is really tired. That's a kind of a defense move for Poch. But it was it was a bizarre, bizarre decision, especially after Sissoko and him had played so well together midweek. So uh, Jack Pitbrook asked Pochino about Tangi's performance off the bench and, and suggested that he and everyone else was impressed by it, and Pochino pushed back on that. Um, and I, I think he pushed back because he was annoyed to be asked the question because he doesn't like to be challenged in that way. Because and he was sort of doing it. Oh, he was good. How was he good? Not, mm. not I believe in the sense that he doesn't believe that Ndombele wasn't good, but in the sense that he's he was challenging Jack and every other critic to sort of you know uh, match his expertise, knowing that they can't. Um, but the reaction to that was that the this idea that Pochettino doesn't rate Ndombele and doesn't think he's good. And I just want to. I just want to say um, that is not the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, Pochettino has been saying some strange things. I, I also thought Jack, as much as I respect and I got a lot of time for Jack, he did kind of hang that tweet out there, and I think he kind of he knew. wasn't he wasn't the first to tweet it. To be fair, I oh, think okay. I think there are others on the ball with that quick. Um, if you watch the video, Pochino, yeah. and he does it, it's a very Latin-y thing that he does where he sneaks in some yeses. It's like a yes under his breath and then, and, then, uh, mm. and yes. Uh, but like if you include the yes in the text, it's much more favourable because it's a yes. And Dombele did perform well. 
but you have to look at the context of Liverpool being more tight and that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, enough has been talked about on that exchange than should have been already. So let's uh, let's move on and talk about the actual game itself. Uh, we went up early. Um, what was your sort of emotional reaction to that? Surprise. <laughs> a lot of surprise. I should have... I don't know. I saw a couple of things on Twitter. I don't know if, whether they're real or not about a goal happening within the first minute or so. And it, it, <laughs> it was a good bet, but it was nice to see us strike early because we're quite often on the receiving end of these kind of goals. Um, and, you know, Lovren, I, when I saw the team, I, th- I tweeted, I thought Potter was drunk. And then I thought perhaps the only way we could win this game was if Lovren was even more drunk. Uh, because I def- I definitely think he can be got at, and he was partly at fault for that. And I thought throughout the game he was he was um, he was weak, but it was nice to get there. But as I said earlier, it was almost too early, and then it kind of set the tone that we were just going to play purely counter attacking, and it's quite a dangerous thing to do against Liverpool, who seem to like have um, like bags and bags of energy. Yeah, I was a bit naive when I saw that goal. I I didn't I didn't announce it publicly, but there was a part of me, a considerable portion of me, that was like, "This is it, Tottenham are back now. We thrashed Red Star, and now we're gonna <laughs> go toe to toe Liverpool." And then, yeah, sort of twenty minutes later, that was already very much not the case. Um, yeah, so we we set up with an interesting shape that again we did see against Red Star this sort of four five one defensively where we have a, a completely flat line across the midfield, and I guess specifically with Liverpool and maybe we were sort of practicing midweek, but the, specifically the idea is that our wingers close down their fullbacks early and and cut them off that way, uh, and that worked pretty well for again yeah sort of twenty minutes. And then after that, Liverpool started to find ways around that. So Fabinho would either push up into high up into midfield and leave Kane marking no one and, they were, and giving the centre-backs loads and loads of time. Or Fabinho would drop in and form a, a former back three and they'd move things that way. And they just, they used their centre-backs really well, even though one of them was Lovren. Um, and then slowly, or not even that slowly, but took a grasp of the game and, and just worked and worked and worked. So it was definitely a slower game. In the second half, I think Liverpool sort of calmed off the franticness and tried to work their position a little more mm. and perhaps more effectively. Um, although I was more scared about the play in the first half than the second. Um, uh, yeah, I, specifically on on the half tie or the, the two halves element, I was really expecting some kind of at least tactical change if not a personnel change at half-time. Were you expecting something along those lines? Um, I don't know. I think it was quite brave from Klopp and Pochettino. They were they were calling each other's bluff. Um, sure. And I think I think in the first half, I think Son... I mean, Son was... It was Son versus Alexander-Arnold this match, pretty much. It was yeah. who, whoever could exploit each other's space. So Son was tempting um, Arnold to get forward. And Alexander-Arnold was tempting Son to stay forward. And it was always going to come down to who could get the better of of that space. And had Son scored that goal instead of hitting the bar, then then you know I think we we probably would have we probably would have won that game. Um, I think on the opposite side, Eriksson tried to do that, but he just doesn't have the physicality to do it. Perhaps perhaps a change a switch to Lucas would have a bit earlier would have served us a bit better because at least he could track back and then spring the other way and he did cause one or two issues when he came on but I thought it was brave from both managers and you're right the game did slow down and even though Liverpool created perhaps a few more chances in the first half they were mostly from swinging in crosses and kind of hoping hoping for the best. Yeah so we actually on expected goals it was 
fairly close. Uh, Jacek Stazak, sorry I've ruined your name there, mate, says, is it weird to feel like yesterday's game was a step forward? We did actually have a higher expected goals at Anfield uh, than against Watford at home. I, I will say that... Um, there are two ways of measuring expected goals, and we normally use the first, which is looking uh, pre-shot, so where the shot took place and where the defenders were and all that kind of information. Uh, but there's also the post-shot means of analysis, which is you look at uh, how hard the ball was kicked and which direction it went to, you know, whether it was on target, where it was headed towards the goal and that sort of thing. And I haven't actually seen specific numbers, but I, I strongly imagine if you were to look at the post-shot expected goals for that game, uh, Liverpool, there would be a more significant advantage for Liverpool because I think that while they weren't creating the greatest chances, their shooting was really, really good. Uh, I was really impressed by uh, Paolo. Uh, who you're not the biggest fan of. So what did you think of his goalkeeping performance? No, he made some good saves. None of them I would classify as like world-class wonder, sure. wonder saves. They were saves you would expect a Premier League goalkeeper to make. But he was he was excellent with his feet. He yes. came for he came for a few crosses. He was he was a reasonably calming influence, which occasionally Lloris isn't. So no, no, I, I was very impressed with I was very impressed by him and it, it was a good performance. So we lost. But to answer the question, was it a step forward? Um, I don't, I, I, I don't know because it, it had, a, it had this kind of sense of Manchester City about it. I don't know what we learned from this. Um, sure, I, I don't think there was any progression in terms of our team, other than the fact that it's official that Rose can't, Rose is no good anymore, and Aurier is a liability. Um, Alderweireld, although he's still a good centre back, isn't as imperious as he once was. And I also think there's a question mark of Sissoko and Winks versus the top teams, and Ali deep <laughs> doesn't work. So maybe we did learn a lot, but uh, um, I don't know. In terms of progression, they fought for it, they they battled, they tried hard. The the level of um, application was there, but I just think structurally and tactically we were a little bit off and. We we chanced our arm and it didn't work out. But it's a kind of a it's a it's a kind of a hail mary game at the moment, Liverpool away. So it was worth that kind of shot. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think this game in isolation is hard to call a step forward. But I think if you look at the the week that we've had, the last three games, like okay, we drew at Watford, but as I said at the time, the will was there and mm. the defensive work was there, and I think that did a lot at that time in that simply we put in the necessary amount of effort and then obviously beat Red Star, which we should talk a little bit about more in a second. Um, and then, yeah, not got embarrassed by Liverpool. Again, each of these individually is nothing too exciting. But if you look back to a week ago where we were demolished by Bayern Munich and then lost pretty handily to Brighton, um, I think we are at the least trending in the right direction. And the most important thing is that there is desire and effort and intention going on. So I'm not I'm not happy, but I'm happier, you know? Yeah, I mean, we go into the Everton game now and I, I think now is now is the time where we have to kind of implement the new the new regime and move forward. I think I, what disappointed me was Lo Celso only getting um, five minutes or so. I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of him because he, he also, when he came on and his the few touches he had, they, they, they were assured they were purposeful and against Red Star as well, he looks, he looks ready to play more minutes now and I want to see him starting games yeah. or at least having half an hour to play. Yeah, I would certainly like to see him put together sort of a 90 in combination over the next three games or so. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. So let's talk about Red Star. We started in the 4231 shape, which uh, Twitter again was very excited about, and we scored early, and then we moved to a 433, uh, which again we did see against Liverpool. Do you think that the, the 433 or the 451 defensively was something specifically for Liverpool, or do you think we're going to see more of that going forwards? Um, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I think we'll probably see a little bit more going forward. Um, against Red Star, I was just really curious to see how Ndombele and um, Sissoko would work together. And admittedly, they weren't up against much, but I, I, I think there's promise there. I think after the game, I upset Windy when I said, at the moment, I think that partnership is the one, is our best midfield partnership. Now, I'm not saying Sissoko is a better player than Winks, but I just think that combination of those two seems to suit each other. I'm not sure Sissoko and Winks or, or Winks and Ndombele works quite in the same way as the two French guys do. So it's interesting that uh, we played that three-man midfield and Sissoko played as the deepest and most central player, which is not really a role you would see for him as sort of um, a carrier of the ball. Uh, do, you, do you want to see more of Sissoko as the deepest midfielder? Yeah, I can, I can deal with Sissoko as a deeper midfielder. I mean, his passing is awful. Um, but... Oh, terrible dudes. Just <laughs> fucking abysmal, mate. <laughs> there was an opportunity against Liverpool where had he been reasonably competent, competent passer, so then we would have scored. Uh, we would have put Sun through. But he did play a very nice pass for our goal against Liverpool at the beginning of the game after yes, a good run as well. So that's true. Praise to him for that. But also, mm. um, he's not very good with the ball on his feet most of the time. Bless him. No, but I do think as as a defensive midfielder that we need, he he's sure. more he's more mobile than Dyer. I think he reads the game better than Dyer. Um, and I just think it, that role suits him better better than Winks and. Yeah, as a defensive midfielder, I, I can I can go forward with Sissoko in that role. Sure, I, I get. Uh, we, I've said this before several times in several different ways. I like I like Winks, but like I'm not married to Winks, and we need to just experiment and see mm. what can and does work for us. And sometimes the better player, the more 
technical creative player um isn't the best for your needs based on the other players you have and everything else so yeah i'm i'm open to the sissoko and dombele midfield or or a three-man version of that that has delhi or ericsson or um potentially lacelso in there so yeah, yeah let's see what we get going forwards I- I think um, I think we need to get Ellie fur- Delhi further up Ellie Delhi further up the pitch. <laughs> so I've been watching really bad rom coms. I think we need to get Delhi further up the pitch and get him playing in tandem with Kane and Son. Um, he, I, I love Delhi, but his the way he way he uses the ball and the percentage the the, the percentage rate of passes he plays like he always tries to high percentage pass. It doesn't really work for someone who sits deep, and it did get us in trouble a couple of times. I don't mind Delhi trying the um, the elaborate further forward around the area where it, it can cause problems, but I, yeah, I don't like seeing it on the edge of our area. So up next is Everton, um, who aren't in great shape, but I do think that stylistically the way they play, which is that they contest midfield heavily and they, they work with a certain intensity, is going to be a challenge for us. Um, I certainly think that I would like to see Ndombele. It's hard to say start. I've been defending him not starting because I think he's still not at a capacity of fitness uh, in order to um, play entire games. Windy disagrees with me on that, so we'll wait for him to come back to sort of go a bit more on depth on that. Um, but but tactically, I think that's definitely a game for him. Um, I Yeah, generally I'm worried about the way that Everton play and how that matches up with our style, but... But we're trending in the right direction. So as long as like as long as there's a performance there, I won't be too upset. What are your thoughts on Everton? Yeah, I mean, I think if we could pick a team we'd want to play right now, it would it would be Everton because they they seem to be having our problems and but even worse so and with with lesser quality players, especially um, especially up front. I I think it's a good match. I'd rather it was at home, but playing playing them away is it's a it's a good match to have right now. Uh, let's move on to questions. The first one comes from Thelonious Filth, who some of you may have heard of. He says, do you think that Poch can top Chris Coleman's saying to a fan, you calling me a prick? I'm a married man with six kids on All or Nothing. It's, uh, I was honestly, honestly just thinking about this the other day because obviously we have the Amazon um, uh, to Netflix comparison going on there. And I was thinking about like the most ridiculous and comical, like how bad could it get for us? And I was thinking about the, you calling me a prick. I'm a, what a ridiculous, hilarious, absurd line. Um, I can't <laughs> wait for Tottenham to become a hilarious gift to reply with. I, I, I think it's, I think the Spurs are going to go the other way. I, I don't think he's going to be, um, uh, Rogers with the envelopes. And I don't think it's going to be oh, Chris Coleman. Hell. I, yeah. I would rather it was Chris Coleman. You calling me a prick I'm a married man I have six kids and the envelope fucking pseudo lovey science homeopathy nonsense oh my god it's fucking energy universal isn't it Jesus no it's um it's Pochettino's gonna take the cameras home and he's gonna sit at home having having his dinner <laughs> the, the cameras are gonna be there and he's gonna discuss football as he's stuffing his face with a load of empanadas <laughs> I, it's just gonna it's going to be awful. I think he's going to try and come across as like a really like, you know, one of the lads in an Argentinian way, like a Argentinian David Brent. And it's just going to, it's going to come across really bad. And, um, I think Harry Kane is probably going to come out as like a bit of a bully. I, it, there's nothing good that's oh, going to come God. out of this TV show, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch it for sure. Oh, I mean, obviously, like, <laughs> yeah, I, you, you, we've got to wait. It's required work. Um, but, but do you ever think? Be. 
Do you ever think that Amazon, they've got all this money, do you ever think they've like bought the FA Cup for us, that they've they've done this thing, we're going to be terrible in the league, but they need a they need a showpiece finale, so they've kind of sorted it for us to win the FA Cup. The uh, the Prime Cup, as it will be known in two years' time. Uh, Dragon Ball Key uh, wants us to talk about literally anything but Tottenham. He says he's had enough of Tottenham, he wants a break, he wants to get away from it all. Um, Flonius, who we just had a question from, recommended I watched uh, Top Boy, which I've been enjoying. I've already smashed through mm. the first season. Very good show. You've been watching some terrible television. How's that going, mate? Yeah, I did a, I've done a run of really good shows that I've been in charge of. Um, but my wife said, we always watch what I want to watch. And I've said, but it's been good, no? And she's like, yeah. So anyway, she's she's listened to my system. We watched um, two episodes of Modern Love, which is this Amazon Prime kind of drama thing based off real stories that people write about their love life they send into the new york times it's awful it's the awful. problem the problem with real people is that they're boring and they're fucking idiots so no wonder their stories are terrible no but the actors the actors are really good so the the cast in it is really good but it's it's new york where it doesn't rain everything is clean there's musicians in all the park um, everybody wears like the best clothes and the most trendy outfits. It's just like that's New York doesn't look like that, and it's it's kind of like Love Actually in New York. It's awful, but I'm gonna be forced to watch the rest of the season. I know it. Okay, it's it's a bit sort of bad Wes and Wes Anderson sort of vibe. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. really bad. Yeah, <laughs> really bad. Okay, so Grand Pookie says, "Is New Gaza trademark ready to start consistently, consistently, or will Larice just replace him as soon as he is physically fit to?" play uh feeling like he's ready after performance at Anfield I mean I've been impressed with him I really appreciate the improved passing uh like dramatically improved passing um like we said before you're you're a little slower on the the uptake but but how does he rank against Lloris with you at the moment his passing has been great and it's 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 a real asset I'm still unsure about his um his goalkeeping there must be a there must be a goalkeeper out there who's who we can get who's can catch and make the saves maybe not perhaps the, the amazing saves that Lloris makes but on a better level than Gazaniga but he's got the feet but um as a substitute goalkeeper he's more than impressed me and I I don't feel the level of nervousness around him that I used to I'm still not convinced by him as like I, he, he would never be my choice to be a number one if sure if if Lloris's arm never heals but um no he's been very good as a number two and miles miles better than Michelle Vaughan would have been <laughs> I I have been very impressed with him again I really like his ability uh, with his feet but I am terrified that I, I, I have no <laughs> like like with Larice there's this deep underlying confidence like mm. obviously mistakes happen and, and goals will be scored but like you know that there is a baseline of competency there uh, yeah. whereas with Gazaniga it's like the, any day now this dude is going to drop a 2 out of 10 performance and we are going to lose a game we have no right losing because all three bad shots go in um, yeah not that he is like deserving of that kind of like expectancy not that he's actually bad but i just there's just a lack of um certainty there that is terrifying for me but his creativity is amazing. The way he does, he hits those um, passes over the striker to the fullback and it opens up the pitch for us. He's kicking out of his hand. We saw it against Arsenal in the, the League Cup last year and then yesterday as well, there was moments where he just he just created a counter-attack from deep. So they are real good assets and perhaps I didn't, I didn't look at them, I didn't take them as much into account because I was too scared about his handling. But as long as his handling continues at this level and his kicking remains like this, he's... 
he'll never displace Lloris, but he'll make Lloris fight to get his place back. That's fair, yeah. Lloris might have to wait a few weeks, wait for an off-performance, uh, play a cup game or whatever, in order to work his way back in, uh, mm. if performances keep up as they have done. Um, certainly against Liverpool, like, the, the long passing, like, not only was it a useful offensive tool, but it, like, gave us a means out of defence when they were pinning us back in. And, yeah. um, like, in addition to him making several very good saves, or several good saves, consistently good saves, um, I think he he broke up Liverpool's dominance and tactically that did so much for us in that game. It helped break up those spells of pressure into sort of smaller, manageable <laughs> amounts of bad football on Tottenham's behalf. So um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great to have that for Spurs. I mean, the match was quite bizarre in itself as both teams were very happy to hit it long. Their um, their penalty came from a long ball. Our best attacks came from chipping it over the top. So it was it was quite interesting to see such two two high quality teams who are pretty good on the ball um, opting always to go long, go long, go long. It was um, yeah, it was it was a tactically a very interesting match. Okay, all right. Are you enjoying being a Tottenham fan at the moment? Uh, not as much as I have. Sure. Yeah, not. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably about at a six as a Spurs fan right now. Go into. Um, sure. I go, I go to the I go to the home games and the Red Star game. It was it was weird to, to be kind of like oh god, it's a Champions League match. Whereas normally for the last few years it's been yes Champions League games, and it's one of these things that even when we were at Wembley, even though Wembley was logistically brilliant for me because it was really close to where I live, um, <laughs> the Champions League was still exciting even in even even in Wembley. Yeah. So this is the first time where I've gone. Oh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to do this, and that's that's nothing. That's not because I've become bored of the Champions League, but just because Spurs concern me at, at the moment. I feel like I have passed through a spell in which I was actively dreading Tottenham games. And while I'm not in a place where I'm like, yes, Tottenham play again on Saturday, let's go. Mm. Um, like, uh, at least I'm not scared. <laughs> at least I'm not wishing the game could be another day away. Um, so, yeah, there's some joy there. I least. mean, we could we could lose if we could lose to Everton, and it could all it could it could all revert. I think as much as the the positivity is edging back a little bit, when you look at the table, we need to we need to start winning matches soon because we're, the table's not that bad. Like considering the absolute crisis we've been through, we're still like pottering about in the right places. The yeah. league is in not a great shape at the moment. No, I know, and but it's still Leicester and Leicester. As I said a few weeks ago, Leicester remind me of um, Pochettino's second team at Spurs. Like that's the the battle of the bridge season. They just look strong. They look quick. They look um, they look like a mean little team, and uh, they concern me. And and Chelsea's um, yeah, Chelsea worry me as well. Even though I thought they would be worse this season, they, their young players are dramatically better than than I expected. Do you think United or Arsenal will sack their manager this season? Um, I don't think Arsenal will, and I think United will wait until Christmas. I think Allegri is a, is a is a big shadow at the moment, and I think if Allegri made overtures towards Manchester United, they would sack Solskjaer immediately. But I I think Allegri is a smart man, and he won't come in halfway through. He he wants to wait for a summer. Okay, because uh, like at the at the very least, we can always claw back territory on those two clubs and, and work our way into at least we're not last at the big six or you know. Yeah. Even if Leicester worm their way in, we're not the worst big club, which is, you know, the the floor as far as I'm concerned. True.
You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Barley for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. I was able to buy my first home using the VA home loan guarantee without having to put down a down payment. I was able to graduate from college using the post 9-11 GI Bill debt-free. I was able to enroll in VA healthcare and I know that VA is going to be there for me when I need it. My services then and my benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>